Hello, welcome to the Incremental Gains podcast. My guest today was Jeff Lawson. Jeff Lawson is a judo black belt, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, an MMA veteran, retiring with a record of 15 wins and 5 losses. He was most famously a competitor in the Ultimate Fighter series, UK versus USA. Jeff has also fought on promotions like Polaris, winning fight of the night during the prelims. We got into stuff around mental health, morning routines, swimming in the ocean. We spoke about his career as a competitor, and I really enjoyed talking to him, and I hope you enjoy listening. Improve on yesterday, every day. So how are we doing today then, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Okay, I've been up and I've done my, my morning swim. I've done my morning cardio. So uh, I've set myself up nice. So I've seen, yeah. seen on Instagram that you've been up rollerblading already. I have, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't run. I um, I used to run when I was, um, I think, from about 15 to about 23. I was running a lot. Right. And um, I can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly can't stand it anymore. I've tried it and I've got so bad. Uh, when lockdown started, I uh, did a, it wasn't even a 5k. And oh my God, it must have took me about 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. What was that from like injuries or something on the knees and all that or just mentally find you find it boring? Um, I find it boring now. Yeah. yeah, I really, really find it boring. Um, and I've, I've gone through the whole listening to podcasts on um, on the headphones and music yeah. and stuff, and I just I just need a massive challenge. So um, I've taken up rollerblades again. I look like an absolute tosser <laughs> going down the uh, seafront, but yeah. do you know what? I don't care. I don't care. And uh, it, it's great. You know, I can get up to like twenty miles an hour on it. Um, which is pretty good, um, and it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. Honestly, you've got a, you've got a pretty young family as well, aren't you? So I bet it's something you can do with the kids and that as well, isn't it? So I'm struggling to get my kids off screens at the minute, but oh, sometimes, right. yeah, sometimes um, my little girl she'll like to come out and occasionally we'll go out later at night. A couple yeah. of them on the bikes, a couple of us on the blades. So yeah, sweet. So I've been uh, keeping up with what you've been up to on Instagram, and uh, before we get into like the martial arts and jiu-jitsu and all that kind of stuff. I just want to know about, first of all, spiders, indoor, yeah. bo- indoor boarding and morning yeah. doodling. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm absolutely uh, fascinated by, by spiders. I think they're, I think they're, uh, they're, the particular type of spider, the jumping spiders are really intelligent. And um, I've been trying to find something to draw, something to paint, and they are, they're just lovely to paint, but since, but mind you, since I've been a kid, I've been fascinated yeah. um, by insects. Uh, I've got loads of bugs. I've got loads of. Um, I keep stick insects. I've had, you know, it's just stuff I've done since I was a kid. Yeah. And um, is that from like when you were younger and you'd go and explore and go into woods and that, and you find these little insects? Is that where that's come from, or yeah, yeah, it really has, and it's and it's stuck with me. And um, on the, uh, I think on the path of of mental health 
I think I'm searching for all of the little things that made me happy as a kid. Right. And I'm bringing it back into my life now and into my children's life. So uh, all of these things, you know, that, that I used to do, I'm, I'm making a part of my life again. Because uh, over it, over my life, I've, um, you just let everything, I, I, I had a period of letting everything go. Right. And I was just a fighter. That was it. I was just fighting. And that's all it was. And I just let everything go. Everything else just went by the wayside. <laughs> So you find that single point focus, don't you? Yeah. And um, it's paid off. Don't get me wrong. It's it's worked for me very very well. And now I'm in a really exciting part of my life where I'm doing all this stuff that I used to do when I was younger. Yeah. yeah. It's funny though, isn't it, that we do we do these things when we're younger and all these childlike qualities and um, being fascinated by things. And as we get older, it's seen as like not not acceptable, but and almost like ridiculed and frowned upon a little bit and i think it's important like you like you're doing that we bring these things that we we enjoyed as a child we can try and incorporate them as we get older yeah i mean that's a huge a huge part of life is is um again these are through my sort of my the state of my mental health um that's made me search for these things is um a play you've got you've got to play um and I don't, I don't know if it's just me or some other parents find this, but <clears throat> sometimes it's quite difficult to play with your kids. Right. You know, you find you find things get in the way and stuff. And I think if you take time to play the things that you like to play, mm-hmm. and then you can involve, you know, yeah, it sort of spreads like wildfire sort of spreads and <laughs> when you're playful with yourself i think you know the kids the, well, the kids definitely see me messing around and doing stuff and they get involved yeah. and uh it's i think it's important I mean, you know, rollerblading down the seafront I was, I was the only guy there this morning there were <laughs> there were so many people it was um seven o'clock so many people down there and you get some looks but do you know what just yeah you've just got to do it man and there's been a so i've done I've done 12 of these podcasts so far. And the way they, the way they came about was I set up a, a not-for-profit called the CIC Community Interest Company. I set that up about two years ago. And it's all about improving the mental and physical well-being of, of the community, basically. Yeah. So obviously when, when lockdown happened, I can't necessarily do the physical side of it. So I thought, well, how can I try and improve people's mental well-being during the lockdown? Yeah, yeah. And I don't necessarily want to be the one who's on camera saying, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this, because I don't feel I'm that, I'm that person. Mm. But I thought, well, I can get guests on, I can get people who I'm sort of know through me, me circle, yeah. who, who can inspire people and motivate people through their own stories. And one of the regular themes that has come up, is similar to your point, Jeff, is we do these things now, and the reason why people don't maybe go rollerblading or do other things that, that they want to do is for fear of failure or for fear of being judged and being ridiculed mm. and i think if we can if we could pass that on to kids that don't have these fears if you can get over the fear of being judged the fear of being ridiculed the fear of failure children and our young adults will, will absolutely thrive i don't know what it is that that is instilled in us to have these fears of probably shame, from like pardon shame isn't it shame yeah i suppose it's a deep fear from like our our ancestors of hunter gatherers being thrown out of the tribe yeah but, but if we yeah. can get rid of these fears and start embracing stuff, then the kids, kids and young adults will just thrive, won't they? 
Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. That would be really good. Um, I, uh, since my, my gym's closed, um, my, my little boy, he's, um, he's 13, his social circle is kind of collapsed. Right. Because the, uh, the gym, as for a lot of other, other kids as well, I should imagine, it, that, you know, that, that was their social thing. I was taking them there four times a week. They'd interact with other kids. And um, he, he's a teenager now. Mm-hmm. And we can't even get him out to go for a walk <laughs> around, the, around the local area for fear of his friends seeing him and stuff like that. So, yeah. you know, I know teenagers are a different thing. <laughs> aren't they they are a different thing yeah. but, but yeah. um i'd like to i'd like to you know i hope that this what i'm doing is infectious for yeah. them you know infectious yeah. for the kids and and other people as well other people that have just become stuck stuck in the mud i know i think one one thing that might come out of a lockdown is people are starting to experiment and try things that they've never tried before just just to pass a bit of time really that's all it is but it might hopefully inspire people to i know there's a lot of, a lot of my mates who are kind of um they go to the gym they work out they do jujitsu on there but they're all start cooking and baking brilliant just to do stuff in the house and that so that might start a new passion for for doing something like that so there could be positives come out of it couldn't there yeah i think i think you're right i think a lot of people have started doing different things haven't they which is yeah. nice yeah, yeah that is good david yeah Definitely. yeah i didn't so, think about that yeah. So how important is your morning routine, Jeff? I know um, you started, did you say you've already been for the, the cold water dip in the in the sea this morning? Yeah, I've done the cold water dip. Um, my morning routine has changed dramatically over, um, over lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, but so pre prior to lockdown, my morning routine was get to the gym 6 30 till 7 30 we were doing jujitsu i was either teaching uh sometimes i was joining in but it was you know i was getting involved yeah um and then it was come home um and then it was a number of spiritual practices that i would that i would that I would go through so i'd do a bit of meditation sometimes a bit of uh, just have a bit of a boogie while i'm washing up or mm-hmm. you know a, a lot of um you know, I'm big, I'm big up on the whole spiritual sort of side of, of, of our existence. I really am. And um, all of those things are really, really helpful for me. So, yeah, the, the, the morning routine side was jujitsu and then it was it was meditation. And then it was either um, a, a bit of a boogie or. Yeah, that was it. That was it. Yeah. Right. Um, obviously, I don't take into account things like brushing your teeth and having a glass of water and all that, all those <laughs> bits and pieces, which, you know, that I know for some people that's they've got to write it down. I was talking to someone the other day. They've got to write down their morning routine. You know, they get up, they get out of bed, they're writing all of this down. They have a glass of water. Right. That works for some people. Um, the way that I do it, just marking down the big things that need to get done, that works for me. Yeah. So now, my morning routine now at the moment has been um, on lockdown. This is the, the, the one that I've stayed with the, until this morning was cold, cold water um, swim in the ocean yeah. every day. Um, and I did about 
20 to 30 minutes on the indo board balance and then uh i'd make sure that i got drawing right um so i, I just draw so i'm just turning out those sketches and things like that to because it's part of a practice Mm -hmm. you know it's part of that daily practice and um is the drawing kind of um, a variation on a journal kind of like journaling but through yes through abstract pictures and doodling and stuff like that yeah definitely definitely yeah. in um a lot of the a lot of the pictures that i draw i i will write down an absolute torrent of swear words that i want to say to a, a particular person yeah i've got i've got one to do this morning um and as soon it's, as not you, about, it's not about me, is it, for making you do this today? No, no, <laughs> no. it's um, it's just a certain trigger. I found a certain trigger this morning, and um, and I'm I'm going to incorporate that into this morning's picture, and um, you can just let it go. You know, it's, that's how you know it's good good for me like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started um, journaling more for more for productivity to be honest so rather than um what was going on me i'd trying to get it down on paper it was more of everything i'm going to try and do today and it was a set out journal it wasn't just blank pages there was there was a, a structure to it so it was people you've got to deal with today how you're going to deal with them what kind of intentions do you want to have today and then it had the diary of our blocks what you're going to try and get done and then at the end of the day you reflect on it and did things go well did this meeting go well how did this interaction with this person go well what about you your physical side of it, the mental, the emotional. So it's more of a productivity journal rather yeah, than yeah. getting that headspace down on paper. But um, I found that has helped me definitely. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, really, really good. Um, I tried that, um, and that didn't work for me because I know that I'd never go back and read it. So right. at the end of the day, to reflect on it, I I wouldn't. Um, and that's a good practice to have, you know, like you said, I think that's a good thing to do because if you can go back and reflect on it, great. But if you're like mm -hmm. me and you know you're not going to do it, <laughs> um, just looking at a picture is easy, you know, yeah. that helps. Um, so yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> I like so that. Talk to, talk to me about the uh, cold water therapy, how did that come about? Um, I've been reading and I've had a few conversations with people recently about who were incorporating like Wim Hof breathing methods and stuff and the, the cold water therapy. How did, how did you end up uh, stumbling upon that? Or was it something you, you consciously thought about doing? Um, so at the gym, we've got loads of different people there. And one of the guys there, um, I think he's, he's ex, ex military. Um, so he's had a few things go on in his life and he's been, um, just a few times he said to me, Jeff, um, let's get in the sea, you know, let's, let's, it's only a few, few minutes, that's all it is. Um, and, and he just sort of sowed that seed in my head. Um, and then I posted it a couple of times in our private gym group. Right. Uh, if anyone fancies a cold water dip after training. Now, I think I did that. I posted it in December. Did, nothing happened, posted it in January, nothing happened. And then towards the end of January, um, I posted it, totally expecting, you know, in my heart, I wanted to do it. Yeah. But totally expecting it not to happen. Anyway, my my friend and my, my student turned up at the gym and he went, right, Jeff, let's go. And there were no bones about it. You know, it was a systematic 
military approach. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, let's sit on the beach, cross our legs, meditate, and all that. He was Straight like, in. Boom. he was like, look, as soon as your as soon as your toes touch that water, I'm gonna count to twenty seconds, and then you your head is under the water. That's it. Yeah. He said, and then we wait, we move around if you want to, and it's uh, it's two hundred seconds, I think. And that's how we started in the start of February. Um, and I've met several different groups that are doing it. And um, I've sort of stuck with this group now because over lockdown, we were keeping it. I mean, I was going out every day over lockdown. Right. Um, but literally, it was first thing in the morning, you know, and I was it was me and one other person and we were out, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and we're up to about, I mean, I think we're about 45 minutes we're doing now. Nice, yeah. but proper swimming. I mean, the sea's still cold, but um, you know, we're it's 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 great, and I think it was for the health benefits. You know, the health benefits of um, this is strange. The one of the um, one of the the things, physical things that that happened was. Um, I mean, in jiu-jitsu, we use our hands and our forearms. Yeah. A hell of a lot, don't we? It's massive on the back muscles, but, you know, we need, we're, we're gripping all the time. And the first few dips I did, my forearms ached for, you know, a good couple of hours afterwards. Right. They, were, they were really hurting. And it wasn't until I did some um, searching on it that, that it got sort of, you know it made sense why they were hurting so if you imagine that all the, all this lactic acid and stuff's built up in your muscles over the years um what the cold does is it squeezes the blood out you know and it squeezes your lymphatic system and it squeezes it out um so all of this um old stuff out of your muscles is coming out i can't remember the exact terms of it um but it's all coming out and then it gets quickly replaced with new fresh blood right um so um they don't ache at all nothing aches when i go in anymore nothing aches because it it sort of flush it basically is flushing and flushing so it took about it took a good couple of weeks before they stopped aching my muscle yeah. And um, because, it's, you know, it's, it's a flushing of a system. Yeah. You imagine you've got old toxins built up in the muscles, toxins are stored in the muscles, um, and it's difficult for the, the system to flush them out, shock it into flushing it out with your yeah. freezing cold. And that's, you know, that's one of the big benefits for me. Yeah. Um, you know, it's cleaning out my muscles, it's cleaning out my system. Yeah. But above that, above all of that was pride. I've never nice. been so proud of myself for getting off my ass and doing something <laughs> that was really uncomfortable. You know, that, I mean, that was, that was, you know, I got back in the car, freezing, shaking, everything. And it was just pride. Yeah. I was so, so yeah. happy that I did it. You know? <laughs> and it's something that's really stuck. And it's um, definitely something that is post pre and after lockdown during it's going to stay with me now the cold water stuff is going to stay with me yeah fantastic i think it, it, it's important i know the word resilience gets thrown around especially now in lockdown but things like that getting out your comfort zone 
being uncomfortable, trying something, putting a lot of stress on the body. You build that resilience. So then when you are going through maybe like a bit of adversity or certain issues in your life, you can draw back on that experience, can't you? And and the, mm-hmm. the things you got from it, that resilience that you got from it, that pride that you got from it. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, it is important to make things like things that help you a bit more of a habit. Mm-hmm. Um, because then you can, I think you can subconsciously draw on it rather than you have to think back, oh, you know, remember how good I was at getting in that cold water. If you, I think if you make it a habit, it becomes unconscious. Nice. You know, it's more autopilot and and you sort of snap out of the, the feeling straight away. Uh, like yeah. this morning's um, trigger that I had this morning while I was, while I was rollerblading. Um, you know, that's, I, through doing the cold water stuff, and that becoming a habit, it's not too bad. Yeah. Whereas, whereas I would have let it sort of bog me down before. And I thought, oh, you know, but that's that's part of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's part of it. That's not all of it, but that's part of it. Yeah, and a, a similar thing that that happened to me. I've always been quite self conscious of, and a pre, pre, similar to a lot of people really, but like talking in public, talking in front of crowds, and all that kind of stuff, and being the the center of attention, if you like. Yeah. And, it's only through doing a number of these podcasts, and I, 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 I coach at a jiu-jitsu club as well now, back up, oh, back up north. Oh, brilliant. So, so I'm in front of the class coaching and, and teaching, and it's only through doing that and stepping out of my comfort zone that now, like talking to you now, maybe several months ago might have been a little bit nerve-wracking, a bit daunting, but subconsciously, like you said, I've just draw, automatically drawn back on the experience of teaching in front of people, talking in front of people, whereas this is quite quite a natural process now whereas several months ago it would have been a bit nervous a bit clunky maybe a little bit awkward yeah so, so you're writing what you're saying yeah you don't necessarily have to think about drawing on them experiences they happen uh, quite subconsciously let me just let the dog out jeff we'll be no worries, no worries. she's a she's a sun worshipper as soon as the sun comes out she wants to get it garden and bask in the sun what is it uh, alsatian cross Okay, nice. Yeah, she's a she's a rescue dog, and uh, they didn't have a full breeding history in the kennels when we rescued her. So she's got Alsatian in her, but some people have said maybe cross with a husky or a Doberman. Oh, that, that type of look like, but mm. yeah, she's good as gold. Yeah, nice. She's spoilt anyway. She gets she gets what she asks for, like so. Yeah, a lot of dogs do, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what about the uh, going with the cold water therapy, the the breathing aspects and the meditation stuff? What kind of breath work are you doing? Um, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. Um, I did a um, last year. Well, it must be coming up for two years now, actually. I did a yoga instructor's course, and we did a lot of breathing in that. Pranayama is called right. in yoga. Um, and I never really got on with it. Um, I've got asthma, um, which isn't an excuse. Um, but... I never really got on with that. And I've just downloaded the Wim Hof app as well. Yeah. Um, and um, I've started with that, uh, but I find that really difficult. Um, you know, I, I, the cold water I've been doing, that's no problem. But I do know that the breath stuff is something that I've got to address. And I've yeah. started doing it and I will continue to do it. Not every day that I haven't made it um, fully integrated that into my daily practice yet, but mm-hmm. Um, I want to, yeah. But my um, my breathing's terrible. I can do, God, I could roll 
for hours. I could do jiu-jitsu for hours, but to go on a 4K run yeah. kills me. Yeah. Um, you know, I can do I can do miles on the rollerblades, <laughs> um, but you know, for put me on a bike, terrible. Yeah, terrible. You know, things that I can I can ride. I can ride a bike, obviously. But, <laughs> um, you know, to put me on. I mean, I used to go um, big cycles, big, big, big cycles with a client of mine. When I, yeah. I think he was probably sixty, um, and I was thirty five. And they would leave me standing, and I was training hard. You know, yeah. I was fit. I just couldn't do it. There's just some things I just don't think you're you're made, your body's made to do. But anyway, the breathing um, has always been a problem for me, and it's something I need to address. Um, I just and, finished. Um, I just finished a book. Funnily enough, while we're talking about breath work and that, I just finished a book. Uh, it's out on Kindle at the moment, but I think it's out in hardback in the next few days, or it's just come out by a guy called James Nestor. Okay. And he, he his previous book was about free diving. So obviously holding the breath for long periods of time. And he yeah. went and did loads of like, he's only a journalist. He's not like an athlete or anything, but he was obsessed with uh, free diving and the science behind it. And he went on a, a long, like 10 year journey. And this new book called Breath is the accum culmination of his 10 year research into breath work and breathing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's fascinating. And, is basically like the overview of it is that we're we're avid over breathers. We all breathe too much, so we should be breathing less, breathing quieter, and breathing through our nose. So all nasal breathing, breathing less, and breathing quieter. But uh, it's a fascinating book. Like uh, if you want, to, I can send you a link to it. So it hates. But uh, it really changed the way I thought. I've looked at the Wim Hof stuff. I've, I've dabbled in it a little bit. Um, but with all like the heavy breathing and quick intakes of mm. breath, um, I didn't necessarily know the reasons why I was doing it. So this book explains all that, but it has a few different protocols in it, not just Wim Hof's method, which he took. Right. From, um, I think a, a protocol called Tomo. Tomo breathing is the earlier variation of what Wim Hof has now brought into the to the masses. But um, it's a fascinating book. Yeah. But wow. Apparently, we're, we're avid got, um, over breathers. We breathe too much. Yes, a lot. I, there's a lot of people I know that are breathing too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got a book that I haven't delved into yet. It's uh, uh, by Stanis Stanislav Grof. All right. And uh, it's called um, Holotropic Breathwork. And that's uh, going into the more psychedelic side of the breathwork. You know, oh, which is, um, it's interesting. I might, I might pick it up. Because um, yeah. I do, I've run out of a books to read. Well, I've, I'll read a book, and then I have about two months off. All right. And then I really get into it again. <laughs> so I will try that. But that book, you, yeah, please send me a link. Yeah, it's, it's out on Kindle, but I think the the proper hardback release is around this time. It's coming out because he's on all sorts of um, podcasts at the moment and um, Facebook articles and that to, to publicise this book. But it's it's fascinating, and he goes into all the different. Like I said, the different protocols, the origins behind it, why they're effective, the science behind it as well, which is what I couldn't get my head around. I didn't know why I was doing the Wim Hof breathing method. What is it doing? What's it good mm -hmm. for? So this it makes book, your system alkaline, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you can you can start to um, control your immune system and stuff. Yeah, and all stuff like that. Like, yeah, but it's a fascinating book. Definitely recommend reading that. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. I love a new book. 
Well, I, tend, <laughs> I tend to um, like where you're talking about you read a book you know you read a few chapters and then you forget about it mm. um, i'm on the people that if i get something in my head I'll, I'll go down the rabbit hole with it and then weeks and weeks after it go down the rabbit hole immerse myself in as much of it as i can mm-hmm. and then i'll just put it to one side and maybe never never come back to it so that's something i need to like work on that once i forget about something and leave it after i've immersed myself in it yeah, yeah. that's it then i become obsessed with something and then I just leave it then after like six yeah. months. So, yeah. yeah. But that's, uh, then that goes back to the importance of um, routine, doesn't it? And yeah. I mean, how many day, how many routines? I was talking to someone about this the other day. My therapist, I was talking to him about the other day. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's a friend of mine anyway. But, you know, how many daily morning practices could you throw into the mix? I mean, um, it's, it's an it's unreal. Bit, you, could, yeah, you, know, a... you could be going all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Couldn't you? I know. I know. You know, if you, if I, I, I'd have six or seven that I could be doing. You know, right now, six or seven practices that I could be doing. Yeah. And that's not even including like reading. And they say read read about twenty five pages a day of something you're not even interested in. Right. For to, for your for your head. You yeah. know. Um, you know, who's going to do that? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It could be till dinner. Your morning routine could take you till dinner, couldn't it? Oh, easy. <laughs> <Or lunch. laughs> easily. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they're all good. It's all good. Yeah. Definitely. I think it's important to, to have, even if it's just three or four little things that you do in the morning to set yourself up for the day. And um, I don't know if you've watched, I can't remember his name now, but um, a, a very decorated um, American Navy SEAL giver. David Coggins. Um, it's not him, no. Oh. He gives like a decorated speech about make your bed in the morning. I can't remember his name now, but um, he's similar to David Goggins. He talks about like dealing with adversity and getting out your comfort zone. And yeah, but yeah. His, his whole thing is just get up in the morning, make your bed. If you don't achieve anything else that day, you've done one productive thing in the morning, you've made your bed. If the day's a shit day and it's crap, at least you get back into a nicely made, um, fresh bed. He said, so, but, so to win the morning, you win the day, just make your bed. And he goes into this whole 20-minute monologue about overcoming adversity and that. But yeah, it is similar to David Goggins, like, but yeah, oh, he's a fascinating cool. character as well, and he's pretty hardcore. Like, I'll have a look at that. Yeah. Um, so if I can find it, I'll send you the link to that as well. After it, yeah, yeah pretty, quite, pretty. Quite motivating. And I think you can, you can get overwhelmed with, like you just said then, trying to incorporate... 20 different morning routines because you've read how beneficial it is and yeah, really, yeah. Maybe, maybe sometimes getting out of bed in itself and making it is is your win for that day maybe Brilliant. you know what i mean i've never thought of never thought that but it's so clear and simple isn't it yeah because don't think things can be that simple yeah yeah i know i, know. Mm. I spoke to um a, an early retire he retired through injury, but he was a professional rugby league player, Jamie Acton. I spoke to him um, in one of the earlier earlier podcasts, and he was saying that for him, the hardest thing once he'd retired and he retired prematurely through his injury was the motivation to do anything else because he was his identity was all around being this professional rugby league player. That was who he was and had been since the age of eight, nine, ten, eleven years old. And the hardest thing after he retired was the motivation to actually get out of bed in the morning. All he wanted to do was curl up under the covers and not face the day and not face up to 
trying to create a new reality for himself. Mm-hmm. And the hardest thing for him was to put his trainers on and get out of bed in the morning. So sometimes, sometimes that's that's enough, isn't it? Just to get out of bed, face the day. You have a choice at the end of the day, don't you? You can you can choose to stay in bed, yeah, and not face the day or not leave your house. And he chose to to get up and and brilliant, yeah. <laughs> but I tell you what I struggle with um, because I don't um, fight and you know actual doing MMA fighting yeah. anymore. Um, I struggle with um, staying fit, so. Yeah. My little, I go back to my boy, he's 13. He is obsessed with doing pull ups. And he, he, you know, he'll do loads in a day, loads of pull ups. He's been, watching, he's been watching Goggins, has he? He hasn't, but I, <laughs> do you know what? I might get him onto that because he, you know, um, and he's, you know, he's doing weights in his room. And I walked into his room, um, it must have been five to, five to 12. And he was stripping in sweat. Right. And, uh, he just literally put the dumbbells down five to five to twelve at night <laughs> so he you know so he's 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 good with that he 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 he's got the motivation that i used to have yeah and now i've found that um by not having jujitsu um four or five times a week yeah you know your fitness just drops yeah and I'm not motivated, and I know that I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to pick a dumbbell up. I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to do any pull-ups on it. And I and I want to. Yeah. Just haven't got the motivation to do it. <laughs> Is that because it's it's the activity? Because you you are obviously like trying to or trying all different like considered unconventional methods, rollerblading, mm. when ocean dipping, the indoor. Is that correct? Indoor board. Is that what you call it? Indoor board. Yeah. Indoor yeah. board. So is it just the the activity itself that you can't get your head around and can't get motivated to do like the just lifting weights, moving weights? Oh yeah, it just yeah. bores the crap out of me. Because yeah. don't get me wrong, I started um, I started lifting weights when I was um, probably about fourteen or fifteen. Right. And then it, you know, as time went on, it, I I'd gone through everything, and then probably about fifteen. Oh, was it fifteen? Probably about 12, 12, 13 years ago, yeah. started doing all the high intensity stuff before it came popular, you know, before. Like, like CrossFit and all that, you mean? Not, I did CrossFit for a little bit. Um, that made me a little bit too, um, my muscles need, used more of my cardio right. than, 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 you know, the, the actual, <laughs> the actual fight did. Yeah, yeah. So I found yeah. my, I was really strong. But my my cardio got really bad from doing that. Um, but no, doing like all the ball slams and the alligator walks and the nice. monkey drills and you know all the things you do as martial artists really. Um, but then just incorporating that to a bit of bag work and then sets and hills and things. I was even doing um, uh, swimming pool. Uh, I had a trainer that I said, "Look, this is what I want to do," and he just said, "Jeff, you write your program." I make sure you do it. It was great. So, because right. I'm, I'm a I'm a personal trainer anyway, oh, okay. well I was. I hadn't done it for years, um, and I I was doing underwater training, and you know, I've done I've literally I think I've done everything. Yeah. Um, as far as training goes, um, and I just got so bored of it. 
<laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? When you're done with something, it always yeah. feels like you're done with it. And I've got um, I've got a few mates who have served in the Royal Marines and um, did now did now left the Marines, but a similar thing. Whereas because the the training is so intense and so grueling, and you do it for so long, even before joining up to be fit to pass it. Yeah, yeah. And you do like I think Royal Marines is thirty three week training course or whatever. So mm. you do that, and they've they've left now and they don't train at all because when they were in the Marines. You do it for that long. You do that much of it. When they've come out now, they're just like, I've, I've had enough with it. I've, I've <laughs> I'm up to here with it. I'm not interested in it anymore. I'm not motivated in it because I've done it. I've done it in such a concentrated amount of time and done so much. I'm not into it anymore. So that's exactly how I feel, David. And yeah. and you know what? I'd like to break that. Right. I'd, I'd like to break that because I know how important, especially um, I'm 42 this year. And I'm still young, really, um, but I, I understand the benefits of resistance training. Yeah. Especially getting older. And I want to, man, I'm, I'm, I'm heavier than I've ever been. I'm right. about, I was about 86 kilos because I love a beer, yeah. you know, of an evening. But I could get away with having a beer yeah, yeah, yeah. when jujitsu was on. Now yeah. jujitsu isn't on. I can't get away with it. Yeah. Um, when was the last time you competed? Was it the Polaris? Yes, Polaris. Last time? What weight was that? Um, about 80, 80 kilos. Right. Yeah, it was about 80 kilos, I think. Catch weight, 78, yeah. right. 80 kilos. And that's still, that's my walking around weight. And okay. I'm quite short for that. Um, yeah. Really, I should be, you know, because someone as active as me, I should be about 73, probably. Right. You know, walking around at that, but... I'm not at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's been happening with the um, the gym over lockdown? Have you been doing any remote classes or is it is it completely shut? Have you not completely been doing anything? Shut. Yeah. Yes, completely shut. I, a few people have asked me to do remote classes, but that's just not my thing, man. Yeah. I can't do it, you know. And Remote classes for jiu-jitsu are so limited. I know. You know, I should have. Uh, my, friend's, my friend's been on at me to do an app. For right. years and years and years and he said to me the other day he said jeff you know that app i've been on it you're about he said you've cleaned up now yeah right. but yeah so i was watching something the other day with the uh, henner and heron gracie and they've got the the gracie university now haven't yeah. they and that's took them like 10 years to get to this point to build up the the catalogue of techniques and syllabus yeah. and all that and uh, he was talking the other day that people were asking him like why is he doing it what is the benefit going to be eight nine years ago and the benefit is 10 years in the future, we have this predicament that we find ourselves in. People can still use use all the curriculum now as though nothing's ever changed. So yeah. hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it really is. It really is. Yeah. So have you not been, um, how have you kept yourself, I know you've, you've just seen you're struggling with motivation, but have you have you been drilling any techniques? Have you been watching videos? Have you been doing any, any jiu-jitsu at all? Anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, um, I've got a big decking that I built out of scaffold boards and um, I can fit um, nine mats on there. So I've got one, two, three, four. Yeah, I've got nine mats at home right. and my little boy, he's taller than me um, and he's been doing jiu-jitsu since he was four oh, and he's 13 now. So he's a great training partner, really, really good training partner. But, um, you know, we do it a couple of times a week we're not doing it every single day it's a couple of times a week and uh it's good and i showed him how to um I taught him how to heel hook the other day right 
and he has been catching me with them left, right and centre. <laughs> it's just crazy. He's, he's going to be really good. You know, he's going to yeah. be, he's got super strong. Like I say, he's doing pull-ups and workouts all the time. And uh, yeah, he's going to be super strong, but... <laughs> Yeah. He does crank a heel up on. <laughs> <laughs> touching, on touching on that, before we get into the, the martial arts and the jiu-jitsu and stuff, how important do you think it is to to teach heel hooks um, to beginners and to kids and stuff? Or do you think it's something? Because there's different trains of thought in there. There's some people who won't touch them until, I don't know, maybe blue belt. And then there's other people who will will train them from very early on. Okay. okay. Right. With that, I think... Um... I'm, I'm not an IBJJF fan. Right. And I think that the, the rules that a lot of academies live by, and I'm the same, uh, is that people aren't trusted enough to show them deadly techniques. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we all, moan, we all moan about the other martial arts that don't train. We can't train this properly because... Because, oh, yeah, we kill someone, we do this, we do that. And then we're doing it in our academies. We're we're doing it in our academies with wrist locks. And we're doing it in our academies with with heel hooks. You know, we say, oh, oh, you're you're new. You know, you couldn't possibly have the mental inclination to not break someone's knee. And, of course, there are people that are like that. Yeah. Um, But there are people like that at all levels, not just at white belt, you know. (laughs) So... I think um, that people should have the knowledge. And the longer they have the knowledge to do all of these things, um, the better their jiu-jitsu will become and the more uh, able they are to decide whether they should break this person's knee or yeah. wrist. Or, you know, <laughs> they can make up their own decision and, they're, and they're, you know, they'll know that it's wrong. Yeah. So... The knowledge of like you know we can't do knee bars until we're ground yeah yeah but i can i can do a head head and arm throw on someone and spike them into the mat yeah on day one do you know what i mean yeah but i can't heel hook them but i can completely paralyze their spine you've just got to be sensible and you've just got to be grown up about it and i and i think we're we're shackled by the rules of the ibjjf and um you know if if i had a gym full of meatheads which i haven't um then it would probably probably be a problem a load of egos and a lot of people trying to mess each other up but i haven't i haven't got that i've got you know i've got a really lovely community of people the same as you know same as it was at kev's yeah yeah you're at kev's yeah um and i think the more knowledge they have, the, be- the better it is. Yeah. So how do you how do you approach it? Is it a catch and release, or is it slowly increase the pressure? Don't wait to live. I mean, there's any discomfort. Is that yeah, the one way thing? It will be catch and release. I haven't catch done no release, gi yeah. for ages. Right. I haven't done no gi since lockdown. And like I said, my academy was one of the academies where oh no, you know, you mustn't do this, you mustn't do that. Yeah. But going back. I'm gonna give people the not you know more knowledge, and yeah. I'm gonna say let's do this, let's do that. But my uh, my nogi instructor, one of my black belts, he's we're, they're doing heel hooks all the time, yeah, you know, all the time. So it's, it's a massive part of the game as well now, isn't it? You see all the, um, the submission only grapple fest and all but, that. 
all the American promotions and that. Without that knowledge, then no one's going to be able to compete and be competitive in those real sets, are there? Without the knowledge no, no. of the heel hooks and that. Yeah. Yeah, everyone needs to know. They need to know it. Yeah. yeah. And as more young people are watching these promotions and the Gordon Ryans and the, the I don't want to use the word cool, but people are People are more engaged, in my opinion, to the, the Nogi now rather than the, the Gi of the IBJJF competitions. So, really so young people, young kids are going to want to learn the, the heel hooks and the leg locks and all the, the techniques that they see the, the heroes or the role models using. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you're going to have to turn around and go, oh, you can't learn now until you blue belt. So they'll just go and train somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just knowledge. You know, yeah. I think the, one of the things with jiu-jitsu is is you have to really pass on what what you've learned yeah it's the um what do we call it um i can't think of the word now when you're passing something what's the word when you're passing something on preserve you're preserving the knowledge oh right and it's that sort of knowledge that you're moving forward yeah um a lot of the stuff um look we do have you been to Dave, when did you leave our group? Um, twenty fifteen. I got me blue belt in May twenty fifteen, and around September time, I relocated back up north. Then. Oh, okay. What grade are you now then? Uh, purple. Nice. Purple Brilliant. three, three stripes. Purple. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So you wouldn't have been around when we went under Yuki Nakai, would you? Would you? No, no. Well, he's, you know, he's amazing, and you know some of the things. Some of the things that um, he's doing from his background is, right. you know, it's just fantastic. And a lot of the stuff uh, he does is old judo. Uh -huh. uh, and I don't think that we should lose that. I don't think that, um, I think that should, that should be preserved. So, right. you know, the, the knowledge for me, I think the importance of grappling is preserving the knowledge and i've always done that with my judo you know um just preserve the knowledge you know pass on what you've learned from and that's how you that's how you keep people that's how you keep people alive isn't it that's how you keep memories alive and things like that and, oh dave where'd you learn that technique i'll show you know oh jeff showed me that technique and where did he go oh, he got it from yuki and yuki got it from you know, going back, back, yeah, back, yeah, back, back, yeah. you know. And that's an amazing thing, isn't it, to be, able to, yeah, to be able to do that. It's amazing, isn't it? It's, 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 <laughs> I, I just like the preserving of the knowledge, you know. Yeah. 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 So uh, talking about your, your judo background, was that the first your first sort of uh, martial art that you started learning when you were younger? Was yeah, judo? yeah. 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 How young I were you? Uh, I was eight. I went right. to judo when I was eight. Um I broke my elbow a few months in, so I had a couple of, of quite a bit of time off. Uh, and then I went back and just stuck at it. And I did it um, all the time. I think I had to do that for about 30 years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it's, it, it was, it's been a massive part of my life. Yeah. Judo. Um, halfway through there, I went into MMA and then realized that I'm going to need to start being able to kick and punch. Right. So then I went, went into a little bit of striking um how did you adapt the judo then into mma obviously without a gi on what was that easy to adapt I and underhooks and headlocks right okay yeah 
because no one was doing no gi back when I back when I started fighting. There was only a few people doing it. Okay. Um, and um, just back back then when I started, it was easy to get hold of someone. Right. It was easy, you know, they because their striking wasn't um, the people that I fought. Don't get me wrong; these are the people that I fought. Their striking wasn't an anti-grapple sort of striking. It was they was doing the striking that they'd learned. Whereas now, yeah, you know, if you you put a good striker against a good grappler, the good striker is going to know exactly what yeah the grappler is going to do and how they need to move and stuff. But back when I was doing it, they didn't have a clue, so it was bloody easy to get hold of people <laughs> and arm lock them. It, well, it was. Yeah. It was. Um, yeah. Yeah. And at what point, um, at what point then did you, because it was it season nine, the ultimate fighter. Yeah. Season nine. Yeah. How long into your career then was that, was that experience? How long have you been fighting before you, you sort of went for that? Loads. Yeah. yeah. A good, good few years. Because I think I had a, a really good win streak. I had about, I can't remember, it's eight to 12 win, back-to-back wins I had. I can't nice. remember exactly. I really can't. <laughs> um, but from that, that's that's what got me in. Yeah. You know, I when I started pro, I had, I started out with two wins, no, three wins. And then I had two losses. Um one of those is a little bit controversial, but the second one is is against Andre Winner. The, the second loss that I'd ever had was against Andre Winner, right. and Andre Winner was what, doing what we just said about about knowing how to deal with a grappler. Right. He was the first one I'd had fourteen fights leading up to that fight against people that didn't have a clue right. how to stop grapplers. Andre Winner, coming from the amazing team uh, Ruffels that he was part of with um, Jimmy Warhead, Dean Amasinger. Dan and, Hardy, that was he. And Dan Hardy, yeah, yeah, yeah. They knew, you know, yeah. they knew what to do and, and he filled me in, basically. What, what <laughs> so was the gym you fighting out of? Huh? What gym was you fighting out of then, Jeff? Uh, Bulldog. Right. Yeah, the Bulldog gym. And, and there was, yeah, in good. Bournemouth, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was no... There was no MMA there. I've never had an MMA coach the whole time I've been fighting. Never. All right. Um, and well, well, yeah, yeah. So then, and then that got me in. That got me in. Those after that, I striked a little bit, and then I had to go back to the drawing board to look at it, and then um, got back in. Yeah. And uh, I think it, it was eight, eight to twelve wins. I, I can't remember. Yeah. But then that got me in a view flew through the interview and then got selected won the fight to get into the house and that was it nice yeah. what was that experience like of being in that was a is it was it bispin it was the coach of the yeah. uk team was it yeah yeah what he was that whole experience way. like yeah he is yeah <laughs> well, he was he's from up your way right yeah it was amazing the whole the whole thing is uh you know once in a lifetime i'd never forget that you know it's a real privilege to have been to have been good enough yeah. to have been selected for that and that has been the turning point for how successful my gym has, has been fantastic yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and the team that i've moved into and um it's really served me well mm-hmm. yeah really really served me well and you know living with 14 other lads older guys younger guys was a little bit hard at times and being away 
from family um, was hard at times and having no communication. Yeah. Um, how long is it for then? Because obviously the edited version is different, but how long are you actually in the house for? I I want to say five weeks. Right. And, that, and you're not allowed mobile phones or anything? Nothing. There's no contact? No. Yeah. There was barely any social media when we did it, though. I can imagine, yeah. What, what uh, year was that? Two, 2008? Was it, it was 2009. 2009. Yeah, 2009. There was no Facebook then. You're right. There was no... Um, no well, Instagram, no... Oh, I see what it was. It was uh, MySpace. All right. <laughs> MySpace, you know, Old people school. having me on MySpace. God, yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, so so um, it's something that I, I'll never forget, you know, because it, it served me well. Yeah. yeah. So then once you, once you came out of that experience... How long did you keep fighting after that? And then at what point did you decide to open a, a gym? A couple of years. Um, I fought for a couple more years after that. And then I went down to um, featherweight. Right. So 65. Uh, I weighed in at 64 kilos for some fights. Um, and I had a couple of wins, a couple of losses again. Yeah. And it was coming out of there was hard. Right. Because I came out thinking I was, um, you know, amazing. That's why I came out and like that. First fight I had coming out of the house, the, I fought a big guy from Denmark, knocked me out, Sparko. Oh, it's wow. Uh, and then I had, and then I think I had, a, and then I think I had another loss after that. It was terrible because it just, it, you know, it was when I was in there, I thought, oh yes, you know, it was on top of the world, and then you come out. Yeah, you, I got brought back down to earth really quick. Um, a couple of couple of wins, couple of losses, fought in Japan, um, and and then coming towards the end of it, um, one of my clients, my personal training client, said, "Look, you know, maybe you could uh, think about opening a gym up, you know, because you know that's the natural thing of what we do. We either, you know, if you've got a profession." You can stop fighting and go into your profession. If all you do is fight, I, I, you know, I had nothing to fall back on. Yeah. I didn't. Um, I certainly wasn't going to open a personal training studio, you know, because that was all I was qualified in. So um, that's what I did. Open a yeah. gym and it's been great. Lots of ups and downs, but it's been brilliant. Yeah. It's I was strong. listening to, um, so where I... I... We're, we're part of a Roger Gracie affiliation. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, throughout this lockdown, the, the headquarters down in London have given like a virtual platform to all the affiliates. So we've all been able to, to access that. Mm. And um, they've been having, um, into, instead of all just classes and lessons and stuff and techniques, they've been, sometimes Roger Gracie's been coming on Zoom and talking about his particular matches that he's had or famous fights. And then um, last Monday, funnily enough, they had John Danaher on. Yeah. Um, Roger Gracie was interviewing John Danaher over this Zoom call that we could all have access to and that. And um, he said something quite interesting that jiu-jitsu and MMA to a certain degree is one of the only, the few kind of professions where it's automatically assumed that once you finish your career, you'll go into coaching or teaching. Yeah. Whereas rugby, maybe football, some people might go into coaching at football, but not a lot of people do. Golf, they probably wouldn't do. There's there's not a lot of other sports or activities where it's it's assumed the norm that when you finish your professional career, you go into teaching or coaching. And That's John Danaher, 
John Danaher's point was that just because you're a, um, a professional and you're amazing at the activity doesn't necessarily mean you're good at you're going to be good at coaching or teaching mm. that or like we said before passing that information forward. But he said it's an interesting thing that happens with jujitsu. We're almost you're almost expected to to teach and then pass it on to your career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, that's worth thinking about. Actually, it is because it's so popular, isn't it? Yeah. And there, there are classes and schools and academies opening up everywhere. I know. Everywhere. I know. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, uh, it's fantastic to see. I mean, it's something that I'm passionate about. And ever since training down at, at Kevin's place in Basingstoke, mm. since that point, like, yeah, it's something that I've, I've, I've kept on doing. And it's a, obviously, I'm only purple belt compared to yourself I've not been doing it for, for very long at all compared to yourself but um, it has helped me get through a lot of like tough times and mental adversity drawing back from whether the time on the mats or the, the principles that we people teach you it has helped me a lot definitely yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. it does it yeah. brings a lot of good to people's lives it really does yeah, yeah. I think that um, a lot of people just love to have a grapple don't they yeah well it, it kind of covers every base doesn't it it's got like the the cerebral side of it if you if you're into like the the mental side of it and the chess pieces and the chess games and the techniques mm-hmm. but then for those who just want to go to war for five minutes you yeah. can get that you can get that natural aggression out that way but it's controlled as well yeah uh, yeah well jiu-jitsu covers um i was speaking to gareth really about it right yeah and um have you read his book i've not no but he was i listened to i didn't realize he'd done the Raspberry 8 podcast. He was on Daniel Strauss's podcast yeah. a while ago. So I listened, I, listened to, I listened to that a few weeks ago, but yeah, I'll have, I'll have a read of his book. Yeah, I'll get the it. It's brilliant. It's only thin. It's only a little book. It's you, you, You'll do it if you're a good reader in a day. Right, yeah. But it is brilliant. You don't. You won't want to put it down when you pick it All up. Right. But he's, you know, he's really into it and, and uh, he's coached me um, for a while. Really, really good. I did his course that, that, he, that he puts out. And um, he said, "Jujitsu covers all of the basic human needs." Uh, you know, I think there's, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you all the needs right now. There's like six of them, isn't there? Uncertainty, is significance. Yeah. It might be eight yeah. actually, six or eight, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Significance, uncertainty. Yeah. Connection. Connection. Giving kind of back. Uh, there's connection. There's uh, giving back, isn't there? Don't Contribution. Yeah, yeah. Contribution. Yeah. I can't remember them all. You know, I've never even thought about it that way, but that's really good, though. That he is, says yeah. it covers, you know, he told me, he said it covers all of them. And he, and when I said to him, could you remind me of that? He sent me a video on each of them. All right. Yeah, nice. and each one. It's just 10 seconds, you know. Yeah, and it does. Yeah. That's why it's important to our lives. And, you know, um, that that connection bit is is a big one for me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a big one for me is that connection thing. And I don't know, and I know a lot of other people don't like the connection stuff so much. That's why I couldn't get everything I needed from yoga. I went to yoga um, for my mental health stuff and and to get back to it. And it's a big part of it. Don't get me wrong. It's a big part of it. But you you can stay completely on your own in, in yoga without coming into contact with anyone. I'm not knocking it at all. Yeah. Um, but for people like Dave, people like me and you, and all the other people that do jujitsu, that probably haven't switched onto it yet, is that connection and that energy transference between people. Yeah. 
is unreal. It's, you know, it's something that, you know, look at these children that grow up that have never been hugged before without affection. And I'm not saying that we're affectionate in jiu-jitsu. <laughs> probably the reverse, but... But it's something that's missing in, like, everyday life, isn't it? As adults, when we go back to what we've done a lot before, that we lose these things as kids and we lose them as we get into adulthood and grow up. And one of them's being tactile and having contact. We don't, oh, we don't have contact with people in the street, do we? I mean, you oh. might do it with your partners, wives, husbands and girlfriends, but we don't have it with other human beings. It's not, like, seen as socially acceptable, is it, to, to have... Contact yeah. <laughs> especially not now it's yeah, ridiculous yeah. No, absolutely no. ridiculous i think um i love having a conversation with someone and they're touchy-feely as long as they're not pervy yeah you know yeah. <laughs> if they're like you know oh they put their hand on you and it's i like that it's yeah. nice yeah it's good and and now we're not we're not allowed to bloody do any of that no. there was some study again i'm massively into podcast me so listen to all sorts of different podcasts and get all sorts of different kinds of information but on one particular podcast episode they were talking about touching and stuff and i don't know the science behind it so i'm going to butcher this but um on our back we've got certain sensors that we can't reach ourselves that promote all this dopamine and stuff in our brain and we need other people to be tactile to stroke these sensors on our back so all it is is if you if you're hugging someone you'll, you'll automatically put your hand like just around the the back of the shoulder blades. Yeah. And these sensors are there and they promote dopamine, all these um, chemicals in our brain. But we can't reach them ourselves. So the argument was that we've evolved to be tactile because people stroking our backs mm-hmm. start to to um, start to induce all these chemicals from these um, pads on the back of our, our shoulder blades. Well, well what, yeah. what, look, look, coaching kids and anyone, coaching anyone, right? Coaching anyone in jiu-jitsu, especially in what we do, right, more often than not, they sit, when they've lost a fight, they sit on the edge of the mat, head down, like that. What's yeah. the first thing you do as a coach? You rub their back, don't you? You just go yeah, yeah. You come put on, your hand man. on their back. You yeah. go, come on, man, it's going to be all right, you know. Yeah. You probably did this wrong, did that wrong, or you should probably give up jiu-jitsu now. But you rub their back. <laughs> You? you put your hand yeah. straight on their back. It's yeah. mental. And I've yeah. only just thought about that since there's you those, said that. There's those sensors on the back that we can't physically reach ourselves. <laughs> so we need other people to, to give us that, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Where did you see, what did you listen to that one on? It's on um, a podcast called, it's by a, a doctor called Rangan, Rangan Chatterjee. Do you put episode notes on in your YouTube oh. videos? Um, yeah, I can do, yeah. Yeah, put, I definitely put a load of episodes. We've done loads on this one. I'll <laughs> tell you what it's called now. I'll find it it's in my library. Okay. That's good. I like that. Yeah, but just something that I've never even never even thought about. I'll put it in the show notes. I can't find it quick enough. Mm. But yeah, but I mean, yeah, my missus goes mad because I listen to all sorts of weird stuff and I'll come out with it. This, I'll be like, well, did you know that? And she's like, yeah, I'm not bothered. <laughs> well do you know um gareth came down to the um to the gym uh we had chris howter we had chris howter in for a right. seminar awesome oh which is um the most entertaining seminar we've yeah. ever had at the gym it's brilliant um but gareth came in and i said gareth oh, come in come in and um i gave him a hug and i put my head when i hugged him over 
his it would have been his um right shoulder nice. goes, no, no 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 stop and he said put your head over the other side you should put your head always on the over the, the other person's left left shoulder he said right. because hearts hearts love hearts ah right said, they love that that heart connection that connection yeah mad isn't it it is mad mate crazy <laughs> yeah. so are we gonna um see you compete again at all polaris or anywhere like that yeah, yeah, yeah. If I can get my weight down, because my um, no, when I get my weight down, not yeah. if I get my weight down, yeah. um, when my because my little boy is chomping at the bit to fight. So if he's at a tournament, I'll go and do that tournament as well with him. So yeah, right. even though I, I do it through gritted teeth on the old uh, IBJJF stuff, um, I will do Polaris if I'm invited back, and um, yeah. Hello. I think I will. Hello. Hello. Sorry, you froze then, Jeff. Sorry about that. Did I? Yeah, where did we get? Where did we get to? Um, you're gonna if you if your boy wants to compete, you're gonna do the same comp. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I'll try and do that, and hopefully I'll get invited back for Polaris. And yeah, and, yeah I'm definitely. sure you will, mate. Because I was watching um, both of your appearances yesterday. Mm. Obviously, the first one didn't last very long, but no. it was an, an amazing fan favorite i think it's the most viral um competition that they've had on their like that's gone viral online yeah yeah, yeah. second one against andy roberts and that was was an amazing gi match as well so that's great that's not my that was my third one on there i lost the first one. Oh, did you all right yeah i i thought um i did a 10 minute um round with um keith mckenzie from surrey right. check matt surrey and uh, he he uh, choked me in the last second. Oh wow! I didn't know what the time was, but um, it was good. that was again that was a really good match. Yeah, a really good match. Um, it wasn't the best one because uh, he pulled guard straight away. Yeah, uh, but that's his game, you know. He's not gonna, you know. So yeah. that's how that's how sometimes the, the whole fights go. Yeah. Um, so it was the second one against Paul Paul Bridges. Then was it? Second one was Paul Bridges. What was your mindset going into that? Then did you think I've got to perform this time and I've got to pull something out the bag? Um, or did you just play your game and, and obviously it worked? I don't put any pressure on myself, David. So right. that's part of uh, the, this new mindset that I've got. Um, is it? It's a bit warped. It's a bit weird, but. At the end of the day, no one's going to care. You know, no. If um, if I went and did another fight like that, it, it just they just get everything forgets. If I lose, people forget. So it's, yeah. you know, that going back to almost almost the first thing we said in our conversation, wasn't it? Is is um about expectations. Yeah. If, if you put other people's expectations on you, that's inevitably going to mess you up and that's throughout what i did throughout my entire early career of judo and mma i put other people's perspective um expectations on my shoulders i think my 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 all-round fighting is better now than it's ever been you know in this last five years it's better now than it's ever been because i haven't got the expectation of anyone and if i i relish getting lost losing i relish it because you, you know you cliche you learn so much from losses but yeah. um it is a cliche but it's true 
um and i don't mind if yeah I, and i came to that realization when i did the euros i did the euros um i can't remember what it was now i got a bronze medal each match that i approached all i wanted to do was have a good fight i didn't mm -hmm. care what people thought i didn't care if i lost my first fight or you know it, it that just doesn't occur to me anymore it just yeah. doesn't um i think you so, see that a lot of a lot of high level grappling at the moment where people will be invited back to to come on these promotions not necessarily because they win but because they're yeah. entertaining fights and i think that's that comes it. down to the mindset that you're on about doesn't it yeah 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 that's it i to promote what we do they don't want to see you butt scooting into someone pulling guard they want to see a fight yeah. you know and i look at it as an opportunity to um to to just showcase yeah, people yeah. need to be entertained and especially seen as um my friends one polaris so matt benyon ben tong and gareth and lee from um scramble you know they're they're my buddies they they those both of those companies tatami and scramble have supported me for years and years and years and years so the least i can do you know the least i can do is wear their stuff but um is put a good show on yeah and that's what i want to do and i will i will literally go at it until i cannot <laughs> go anymore and that's what i did in my first fight i went at it and by the end of it I went in for a really good um, submission attempt. This is the first one in Polaris. And I was so exhausted. I just <laughs> turtled up and he just choked me. That, was that a gi match? Or was that no, no gi? gi match. Yeah, oh, I won't do no gi. No. I don't like it. Well, no, I've done it enough. I've done no gi with gloves. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you've got to give it your all. You've got to. Because other otherwise... Um, you know, I'm not protecting the record anymore. You know, I'm not. Yeah. And I can understand for the, the younger people that are competing that, that you know, that, that they're protecting records and stuff like that. But doesn't it become tedious? Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not protecting a record, if you are actually fighting to your capability, doesn't it make it so much more exciting? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. But that but works for me. It doesn't work for everyone. Yeah, we've been we've been to a few of the Grapple Fest promotions up in Liverpool. Yeah, um, the last two uh, competitions we, we've been to, and um, some of the matches that they've had on there have been amazing because people have embraced it and thought, "I'm going to go out to give this Liverpool crowd a good show, not necessarily bothered about whether they win or lose." And um, I think we had, I think the first time we watched Craig Jones against Adam Wazinski, he submitted yeah, him in like 30, 40 seconds with a reverse triangle or something, and the second time. Um, I think it was Craig Jones again fought John Blank, and um, yeah, they both went out there like they had nothing to nothing to lose. Exactly, and that's how yeah. you should do it. I think that's how it should be done. And if you don't do that, don't be surprised when you don't get asked back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. definitely. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I appreciate you you taking the time this morning to to speak Thanks, to us. It's been, it's been a great conversation. It's been good. Yeah, it uh, has. Catching up with you. I don't know if you actually remember me from um, being at. at um, I do. You're Kevin's. about seven foot tall, aren't you? 
Yeah, six four. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I remember. I've still got the because um, it's the only time at, at Kevin's place when I had to. I've been the gauntlet and got whipped with the belt yeah, yeah. on the promotion. They didn't have that. Um, what what would you call it? They didn't have that um, ritual at the the place where I got me a yeah. belt. No, yeah. Are they don't. No, they don't do it. No. That's an interesting thing. I'd like to know how many places in the UK um, do that because yeah. some do. And I thought about taking it out. And right. I said to my guys, um, you know, I sat them down and I said, look, should we do this gauntlet? I'm just sort of carrying a tradition. And Chris Howard, I went into the tradition of that right. as well. Um, and it's, I don't, it's not from the Brazilians. Oh, the right. tradition, yeah. So Americans have, have took it, have took it. I can't remember. I can't remember, but they used to do it. Um, Someone's telling me about doing it in judo as well. Oh, right. um, but you only did it to kids in judo. <laughs> this, this, this was years ago. This was, you know, I'm talking years. Yeah. Um, so where that tradition comes from, I I can't quite remember. But anyway, so the, I sat my guys down. And I said, you know, I said, a lot of clubs aren't doing this anymore. I said, do you still want to do it? And before I'd finished saying it, they were like, yes, we want to do it. Right, you know, and I know that some people don't like it, some people dip out of it, and my guys seem to like it. Yeah, I think maybe like it, it forms one of them human. I, I enjoyed it, like, I thought it was it was one of them, it was it brought everyone together. There was that connection, so it must do something to one of them human needs that we were talking about before. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know, I think it's just a bit of a rite of passage, and it, you know, what I mean, everyone, everyone, definitely, yeah. Let, let love people love it in people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, fantastic, mate. It's been really good chatting to you anyway, Jeff, Thank this you. morning. And hopefully um, in the future, you never know. I might see you soon. Might Lovely. to Basingstoke or Bournemouth or... Okay, buddy. Cheers, Jeff. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers, David. You take care. Great talking to you. See you. Bye.